Iowa goes on the road and beats Seton Hall tonight, 83-67. An instant reaction to the Hawkeyes win as they go to 3-0 on the season. We take a trip down memory lane 20 years ago. Iowa goes up to Minnesota and beats the Gophers to cap off an undefeated regular season. I was there. I was on the field. Part of the people tearing down the goalposts. I take you into those memories from two decades ago and the latest on the recruitment of Caden Proctor. All coming up today on Locked On Hawkeyes. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in once again to the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Glad to have you aboard with us here today. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Locked On Network, your team every day as we have you covered. Iowa fresh off a victory in basketball against Seton Hall. We'll break that down. We'll talk about memories from 20 years ago when Iowa beat Minnesota to cap off an 8-0 regular season in the Big Ten, and the latest on Caden Proctor. Today's episode of Lockdown Hawkeyes is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Hawkeyes and the Gophers right on Sling. Sling TV, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today with a matchup 3 o'clock Central Time on Fox. Let's get into it here and kick things off with a little basketball. Iowa gets the victory 83-67 as they're able to beat Seton Hall, a Seton Hall team that was picked seventh in the preseason poll, uh, maybe a fringe bubble type of team this year. We'll see a lot of new faces there for Seton Hall. Uh, Willard had done an incredible job with that program, getting them back to a consistent winner year after year in the Big East. Now he's at Maryland and the new coach who was on the staff with Willard and, of course, played point guard back at the turn of the century for Seton Hall. Jaheen Holloway taking over. Brought a player with him from St. Peter's. A couple other new faces out there, but a very veteran group overall. And Fran McCaffrey's team, boy, they took it to him at times in this one. A lot to be excited about. Iowa, of course, early in the basketball game, they get down 10-2. And not just the way that they got down and the scoreboard, the way that it looked, but they were being physically manhandled in the game. It was Seton Hall getting all the boards. It was them hustling the basketball. Iowa looked completely out of sorts in the game. And he said, oh boy, this might be a long, long day for Iowa. Alas, they turned it around. And right away, it was Chris Murray, the difference, hitting shots early in the game. But on top of it, it was not just his offensive output, but it was him and Philip Robracha on the boards. I mean, those two dudes, they came to play in a big-time way. Iowa, there's going to be times this year that they're going to struggle to rebound. You know, they're going to need more out of the rest of the players. You can't just expect Phil Cabracha and Murray to be the two guys that have to get every single rebound. You're going to need help from Tony Perkins, and he's a willing participant. You're going to need more out of Peyton Sanford. Now, at six foot eight, six foot nine, he's going to have to mix it up inside and help out on the boards from time to time. And of course, Patrick McCaffrey, something that has never been one of his strong suits. They're going to need that, though from him this season if they're going to take another step. Iowa coming back, they get the lead, and really from there, there were times that Seton Hall would have a run, but what I was so impressed with this group tonight is what we saw out of them just continually being ready to go, right? I mean, this was a team that every time that there was a punch from Seton Hall, they had a counterpunch. They were time in and time out 
ready. It was Tony Perkins in the second half. It was Aaron Euless, his play, just on and on and on. Let's dig into the numbers here a little bit. Offensively, the second half was great. Iowa puts up 49 points in the second half against a very good defensive Seton Hall team. I anticipate you're going to see them top 25, probably top 30 nationally defensively this year. When you look at the metrics, this team is going to be good on that end of the floor. First half, it was a struggle. We mentioned the slow start. But even then, they went in the locker room only shooting 33% from the floor. And overall, Iowa just shoots from downtown 5 of 16 in the game. It was Robracha. It was Murray mixing it up inside, making plays in there. And, of course, what they did from the outside with Murray hitting the shots early in that basketball game to get him back into it. You know, in a game where Iowa certainly didn't play their best, they go on the road and win by 16 against a good team. Not a great team, a good team to do that says a lot about this group. Now, Iowa basketball this year, the question remains to me is just how good they are going to be on the defensive end of the floor. You know year after year what you're going to get with Fran McCaffrey on the offensive end. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter who the team is built around. Going back to you know the early tenure, what we saw late in the final season for Matt Gatons in Fran's first year, him shooting the basketball and the offense being built around him and Bryce Cartwright at the point guard position and evolving and what they turned into and what turned into a pretty good defensive team with Mike Cassell and Woodbury and company, but Roy Depp and Marble, a lot of times the ball being in his hands. And, and the evolution of this team leading into what we've seen recently, Luca Garza, obviously a big man, a center, inside-outside combo that he was able to play last year with Keegan Murray, and now this year, a team that seems to be built a little bit different. Now, Chris Murray's going to have another outstanding year. I mean, he is going to put up numbers. Are they going to be matching what we saw out of Keegan last year? I don't believe so. But what I get excited about this group is what they can do on the other end of the floor. They'll score. Fran McCaffrey always puts his teams in position to score. He is one of the best offensive coaches in college basketball year after year after year. And he doesn't have the five-star players to go along with it. That's just not the way. He builds his program. But the way that he teaches offense, you know they're going to score. Defensively, though, that could be the hiccup, right? And it's been a hiccup at times in the past. I mentioned that group with Gasell and Woodbury. By the end, they became a pretty good defensive team in comparison to the other uh, probably 11 years out of those uh, last two years of the, that group. But this group is built differently, starting with what they have right now at point guard with Tony Perkins. Now, I, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, I got all the Tony Perkins stock. I bought it when he arrived on campus. There was something about him watching film, talking to people involved in AAU basketball, said, you know, the shot's not the prettiest. Is he got the tightest handle in the world? He doesn't, but the dude's got some dog in him. And you saw that show up again. Gets a technical foul late in the first half. He's woofing. He's John. That's what he does. He's an emotional leader. But more importantly to that, he is a guy that will defend you. Iowa hasn't had a point guard like that in the Fran McCaffrey era. They have not had a guy that has that kind of tenacity. Mike Cassell was a good defender on the perimeter and a better defender, I think, than some people believe. There's something different about Perkins. Not only that, his ability to put his head down, get to the rim, the possibilities that he can do and run this system in a different kind of way than what we've seen with Jordan Bohan in the past, what we saw even with guys like Joe Toussaint that was limited offensively. This is where my excitement level goes to. I'm not asking this team, to go out there and be a great defensive team. We're, we're not expecting them to go out and be a top 10 team nationally defensively. That That's not a realistic expectation. But can they be in the top 50? I, I think that's realistic. Rebracha inside, Murray, what he can do, the link that they have 
with Patrick McCaffrey, Connor coming off the bench. Of course, Sanford is six foot eight, six foot nine. You have some length there. You got a plus defender at the point guard spot. I saw some synergy stats uh, coming into this game against the pick and roll at the point guard position. Just how good Tony Perkins has been defending pick and rolls throughout his career at the University of Iowa. Gives you a lot of excitement that maybe this team can be a little bit different. That they they can be different than the teams that we've seen in the past that have disappointed come the NCAA tournament and left you wanting a little bit more. I think that's still out there for this squad. I think there's a real possibility that we could see that out of this group. The Big Ten, it's wide open coming into the year. Indiana was a lot of people's pick to win the league. I personally picked Illinois before the season. The Illini, new faces, TJ Shannon company, they're going to be really good as they seemingly are year in and year out now under Brad Underwood. Michigan State, what they've done here in the first week, though, that close loss to Gonzaga last Friday doesn't look nearly as good as things are wrapping up with Gonzaga uh, getting beat and beat badly down at Texas at the new arena down there. Still that aside, Michigan State, of course, the win against Kentucky last night it says a lot about this squad and Michigan State and Izzo team. They're not going to be long down for very long, and I think that is showing up in a big-time way. If they are the sixth-best team in this conference, as they were picked by many people in the preseason, this conference is going to be dang good. Now, it's going to be very solid at the top. I, I think you have, realistically, eight, nine, maybe ten teams that have real consideration to be an NCAA tournament team at the top, the teams we've mentioned. But you also have Ohio State and Purdue. You throw Iowa in the mix there. Michigan's going to be very good and struggled in the first half tonight against Pitt before they've pulled away in the second half. And they got some young guys that are really, really exciting, including Juwan Howard's son, Jet. And he is going to be a fun one to watch. This conference, I don't think there's going to be a team that runs away with it. But because of the parity at the top, how tough it's going to be to get to, say, a 16-4, and four, a 17-3 and three type of mark. At 14 and six, I think that very well could earn you a share of a Big Ten title. And for somebody like me that has never seen a Big Ten title in my 42 years on this planet, oh, how great would that be? I don't care if it's a five-way tie at 14 and six. I don't care if it's 13. I, just to have a regular season crown, that one bugaboo that is still maintained and hanging over this program long-term since I've been around and on top of it, of course. You're looking for that NCAA tournament success with Freya McCaffrey. Great start to the season. 3-0. and They got one more tomato can in front of them then as they will take on Nebraska-Omaha coming up on Monday before they depart down to Florida. Emerald Coast Classic down there. They'll be taking on Clemson in the first round and then more than likely TCU in the championship game. Though a slow start down there for Jamie Dixon's squad. Uh, that's what you anticipate. And then, of course, what happens uh, right after that. You got the ACC Big Ten Challenge with Georgia Tech. You have the matchup with Duke still on the horizon. Iowa State, Wisconsin, and the one Big Ten game that they'll play early this season as opposed to two that they played in the past. Going to be a difficult schedule. One more to get everything fine-tuned, and then it is all systems go for this Iowa team. Going on the road, winning like this, winning against a team that plays a different kind of style, that plays a physical style that they have, I think it says a whole lot. Mentioned the numbers, uh, some of them. 5 of 16 from the three-point line, not great. But how about getting to the free throw line? 28 of 33, they shoot 85% from the free throw line. And how many of those you know, were those? Seton Hall make a little run. And Tony Perkins would get to the line, he knocked down both free throws. And there were so many of those moments, too. Again, maybe a different built Iowa basketball team. 
Rebounding-wise, they lose the rebounding battle, but only by two against a team much bigger, more physical team. I, I think that said a lot about the group, and especially the way the first five minutes went in the game. They outscore Seton Hall in the paint, 38-32. to That's a good number to take a look at. Iowa puts up 1.19 points per possession. For Iowa, you know, that's okay. Pretty good against a good defensive team. But what I loved, they held Seton Hall under a point per possession, something that's a rarity in the McCaffrey era, uh, 0.97 points per possession for Seton Hall. So some numbers for you there to chew on. Iowa, the most important one, they get the W and they go to 3-0 and on the season. Talked about Tony Perkins, talked about the big guys inside. Now, outside of that, there wasn't a ton besides Aaron Euless and a guy that many people anticipated was going to be the starter at the point guard. He was suspended for the exhibition game. Tony Perkins has taken that run. He has five more assists in the game here. He has had five or more assists in all three games now of the season at the point guard. But Euless, they ran with him a lot in the second half. And down the stretch, it was Euless, Perkins, Connor McCaffrey out there, along with Keegan. And then Philip Robracha also hitting free throws. That was a great thing to see. Fun victory for Iowa. A lot of excitement starting to build here. Just how good this team can be. How different they may be. And speaking of differences too, the depth. I mean, they went for all intents and purposes with seven guys. Dix got out there for less than a minute. We saw a little DeSante Bowen, but not a whole lot. And that was only in the first half. Didn't even get out there in the second half. They're going to need those guys at times this year. Foul trouble's going to come up. Uh, injury could hit, whatever it may be. They're going to need those guys if they're going to be even a little bit more than an NCAA tournament team. But a great night, certainly to be a Hawkeye basketball fan as they get the victory and they move to 3-0 and on the season. We'll continue here on Locked On Hawkeyes. Time to talk a little bit about some past history. The other day, myself and Biz, we had some fun talking, obviously, about Iowa-Minnesota, the rivalry and the component. And he reminded me, November 16th, that was the day of the infamous 2002 Iowa-Minnesota game in the Metrodome where Iowa won the game, but most importantly, in the lore of Hawkeye fans, they tore down the Gophers' goalposts. I was there. In fact, I was one of the first people on the field. We'll talk about that next. We continue. This is Locked On Hawkeyes. Today's episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by Simply Safe. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package thefts spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy advanced security and greater peace of mind this holiday season. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use fast protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get priority police response. It's a whole security system with Simply Safe. Advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras inside and out, smarter ways to detect motion that alert you when a threat is real, and even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than a dollar a day. 
less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. This is their biggest discount of the year. You don't want to wait. Simplysafe.com slash locked on college. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Trent kind of back with you on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Again, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Also, if you're looking for a little bit more, your second listen of the day, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available right here on this app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. And if you're on YouTube, Hey, hit that subscribe button. It helps us get in front of more guy fans as we roll through here. Back talking a little bit about what we anticipate we're going to see with Minnesota. We'll continue to preview that as the week goes on. Break that game in a little more detail with the Gophers. And certainly year after year, it's my favorite game. And a couple of reasons for it. First of all, grew up 10 minutes away from the Minnesota border. Very close. Have family up in Minneapolis. Cousins that went to the U up there. So. Fun rivalry because of that as a youngster going to the games. In fact, Minneapolis was the same distance as it was to get to Iowa City. And I went to a lot more games when I was young in Minneapolis as opposed to Iowa City. It was easy. Tickets were plentiful. And you knew it was going to be indoors. And that was kind of a good thing for a few people in my family that decided to take advantage of that. I was there. mentioned the other day, Copper Bowl on the line, Iowa just had to get the victory against Minnesota in 1990, I think it was, and lost that one. There's been those kind of certainly tough losses against the Gophers, but here recently, seven consecutive wins against the Gophers, five in a row against P.J. Fleck. That feels great because Phil Fleck is one of the most least, least likable people in college athletics. But 2002. So let's go back in the Wayback Machine and, and take you back two decades. Now, I was a young whippersnapper in college having a good time, doing my thing. So we go up there, and it was something that became kind of a yearly thing with my big group and a big group of friends from all over, a lot of people that I grew up with in Osage, a lot of other people uh, from college friends and the like, and it would be a big party. And I'd go up there and hang out at Hubert's before the game, slug a couple of beers, see if you can find somewhere to tailgate, whatever it may be, just walk around with the 12-pack if need be. You would find a way, though, to get lathered up before you went into the Dome, and then you could have some beer there. That was a good thing. That season, though, my buddy Ricks had secured tickets for us in the first row, right behind the Iowa bench. I mean, we were at the 40-yard line, incredible tickets. He lived in Minnesota, and because of that, he was able to get the tickets before they went to the general public. They opened it up basically for anybody that had a Minnesota address before Hawkeye fans could get their hands on them. Alas, well, as we know, there's plenty of Hawkeye fans already up there, including Ricks, who got us uh, tickets down in the first row. So it was myself, Ricks, little Ricks, his little brother, my cousin Chuck, and myself, front row. Now, we're well lubricated. I mean, we're, we're having a good time. We had way too many beers beforehand, but we get in there. Game's going great. Had a great view late in the game. If you remember, so Iowa, there were maybe a few tense moments. Iowa was cruising so much that season that any time a team was even within a couple of scores, it, it was just such a rarity the way that Iowa was playing in late October and into November. They were just crushing teams up and down the field. Minnesota's pretty good. Now, they went. They were 7-4 and four after that one. They had a pretty good team overall, but Iowa was in control of the game. Late in the f- football game, though, Iowa tries to set up a play 
Well, they tried to get Brad Banks a receiving touchdown. So it was like a jet sweep type of motion. Handed it off, I want to say to C.J. Jones, maybe he was the one to throw it. So it's not in the box score because they threw it back to him. He's going up the sideline. It was a terribly underthrown ball. It, was it Mo Brown? Was it C.J. Jones? I think it was C.J. Jones, regardless. So he throws the ball, terribly underthrown. If he throws it up and he throws it into the end zone, it's an easy touchdown. And maybe that's the difference of Brad Banks winning the Heisman Trophy. We'll never know, obviously, if that's the case. But pass interference, but Iowa gets the ball down inside the eight-yard line. And uh, I think they tried another trick play. But that aside. So they're doing all these things. It's fun. It's a party. I mean, the chance, the let's go Iowa, let's go Hawks. It was so much fun that whole day. Just culminating in this 8-0 season. Something that we had never seen. You go back to the Hayden era, then had an undefeated season in the regular season of the Big Ten. There hadn't been anything that happened like that. I mean, you got to go back to the 50s last time that it happened. And it was a party. I mean, we were slugging grain belts and whatever else we could get our hands on. Having a great old merry time. So. My buddy, Will Lack, was a walk-on on the team. And Will was up against us again. We're in the front row. And I say to Will, hey, do you, do you think we could come on the field? I don't even know if I said we. Maybe I said I. The rest of my buddies, the heck with them, right? Do you think I could get on the field after the game? And Will says, I, I think so. Now, he didn't want to take, obviously, didn't, didn't want to have anything to do with me in case he would get in trouble for it. But I think he was like, yeah, that's okay. So, we make the decision as the clock's going down to zero that we're going to go on the field. We didn't think it was going to be the onslaught that it turned into. Also remember, this was an era where Iowa fans were going down on the field quite often after games. It didn't have to just be a big moment. I mean, this is something that was becoming a little bit of a right passage. It became bigger a couple of years later where seemingly after every game, the Iowa fans would go on to the field at Kinnick Stadium, not on the road. So this happens. And we hop down. And it's a big jump down there, especially when you've uh, you got a belly full of beer. It's a bigger jump than you anticipate to get down there. So I get down, land on the AstroTurf. I see my cousin Chuck hop down. I see Rick's jump down. And all of a sudden, I see cousin Chuck. And he's off. He just darts off, and he is in front of me. And he's probably 10, 12 yards in front of me as he's just going towards midfield. And, and I look to the left and the right. And I see floods of Hawkeye fans also coming out of the field. I'm like, well, this is great. At least we're not alone. At least we're not going to get in trouble. At least that's what I anticipated. So we're running out there, and I'm following the crowd. And we're going out to the middle, and, and the celebration is on. Well, as Chuck's moving to the middle of the field, again, probably about 10 yards in front of me, I see out of my periphery a security guard making a beeline. And I think he's going to lay Chuck out. He... Lays a guy out. I don't know who it was. This guy gets tackled to my left, and he slides basically right in front of me with the cop on top of him, or security guard on top of him. And I just do a little hop over top, hopped a little better back then, and hop on by, move on by. That was it. That was the only security that we went into. So we're in the celebration, going around. A couple of guys that I knew from Iowa saw them on the field. That was so much fun. You know, kind of find your group, find the other people that decided to come on the field. And then I look over to my right, and I see people making their way over to the goalpost. I say, oh, here we go. This is going to happen. So the initial group that tore down the goalpost, I was not part of that. It was already down by the time that I got a hand on it. But that thing's being moved around. It's torn down. People, It's going back and forth on the field. Now, at this point, if you miss this part of the story, 
Minnesota PA announcers coming out. He's trying to get people off the field. It's just absolute mayhem. Kirk's on the player's shoulders. I mean, think of that. Think of the Kirk Ferris we know today. Can you imagine if Iowa completes this process and they beat Minnesota this week, they beat Nebraska, Illinois gets beat, and we go to the championship game, and then he beats Ohio State. Maybe you put him on your shoulders after that in the championship game, but it just, it was a different time 20 years ago. I'm old. But it's going on, and all of a sudden, they can't get us off the field. They know that. And at this point, they're playing this loud, like backfeed kind of sound over the PA, just trying anything to get us goobers from down here out of there. And we're not leaving. Having a great time. So as we're exiting, we decide, all right, we've had enough. We need to get to the bar, right? I mean, enough's enough. So we're getting ready to head to the bar. And we're walking up, back up the stadium steps and climb out. And as we are, we see the group of guys that are trying to carry the goalposts out of the stadium. And for a fleeting moment, you had that thought, should we help them? Now, you're not getting it out of there because of the way that the Metrodome was set up and it's not going to get out through the revolving doors or or just the way that they were going. It just wasn't going to happen, right? But that fleeting moment, should we? No. Nah. Instead, we're going to go to the bar. And that's what we did. So on our way to the bar, mayhem around the Metrodome. I mean, just Hawkeye fans all over. I saw estimates of 35,000 Hawkeye fans were there. Remember the Metrodome? See, it's 65,000. More than half the crowd. It wasn't full. It was probably 35,000 Iowa fans, about 20, 25,000 Minnesota fans in their stadium. We tore down their goalposts. Just you understand why they hate Iowa. And the We Hate Iowa chant came well before that. But still, you, you get it. You absolutely get it. So all this is going on. We're making our way to our destination, whatever bar we we're walking to. It was cold. And as we were, we are stopped. And at this point, we picked up a few other people out of our group. I think there's about eight of us. And wherever we're going, we're stopped by a news crew, a news crew from one of the local affiliates up in Minneapolis. And they stop and say, yeah, can we uh, can we interview you guys for, for a news story? Of course, of course. So who's up first? Cousin Chuck. And Cousin Chuck is blabbling. I, I mean, Chuck likes to tie it on. He, he takes my drinking to another level. So Chuck says a couple of sentences, can't understand a word he says. And the lady said, can we get somebody a little less drunk? So I come to the forefront. I come up there, do the interview. Honestly, I don't remember really what I say, but that happens. And so we finished the uh, the little piece. In the background, Chuck then, as he's not on microphone anymore, he's still, though, the group is kind of standing behind me as I'm being interviewed. He's hopping back there, talking about his love of garage sales. I mean, what, what is this guy doing? Anyway, that's how... It concluded for us. Well, at least that part of the evening. And it continued after that. Long story. My cousin who lived in Minneapolis on the other side of the family, opposite side of the family from cousin Chuck, he uh well sends me an email. In fact, it was because I didn't even have a cell phone. Again, this is how long ago. 2002. We had a house phone in college. I didn't have a cell phone until probably 2004, 2005, something like that. I was a little slow to adapt. But that aside, get an email. Saying, hey, I saw you on the news last night. Your cousin, your cousin Chuck, looked like he uh, was having some problems back there. I never got a clip of that video. And I would love, I don't know which of the local affiliates it was on. It was 20 years ago. That tape is, I'm sure, well destroyed. But, oh boy, if that could ever come to the forefront again, if somebody could post that thing on YouTube, I would absolutely love to see just how ridiculous that one was. That aside, that is our story from 20 years ago. Don't think we're going to tear down the goalposts this year. Let's just get a victory. 
How about that? Let's get a victory and get number seven of the season and keep the hopes alive for a Big Ten West Division championship. And Iowa, Hawkeyes are three wins away for going to the Rose Bowl. Think of that. Now it's a steep, steep hill to get there. Beat Minnesota, beat Nebraska, and then you got the biggest boss at the end, regardless if it's Ohio State or Michigan. That's where we are. And that is story time with TC. We wrap up here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast as we talk a little bit about the recruitment of Caden Proctor. We told you earlier in the week about the recruitment, what was happening. We dive a little bit deeper. What is the latest on the five-star offense alignment for Southeast Polk? That's as we roll through here on Lockdown Hawkeyes. Today's episode of Locked On Hawkeyes is brought to you by Biltmar. Bilt Bar. Now, we need to pause the pod just for a second, all right? All right. Great, because you have to try this. I'm talking about Bilt Bar's new reimagined flavors. They got cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, white chocolate peppermint granola. It's Bilt's take on a granola bar, so it's more filling and insanely tasty. And candy cane brownie. Puff. Built Puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're the best tasting protein bars ever built. The revolutionary nutrition, as we know, with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and low sugar and calories. Just 130 calories. I'm not kidding. There'll be a time before you try these new built flavors. You will not believe just how good they are. You hear coconut? And I'll be honest, first time I heard coconut, I wasn't so sure. It's not that overpowering taste. It's, it's so, so good. All the flavors are outstanding. This is what you want to do. They're all different. Order a mix box and try all five flavors for yourself. Built, you want to try this. Get 15% off your order right now. Just use the code LOCKDOWN15. That's LOCKDOWN15. Go to Built.com and get hooked up with the Built Bars. Trent kind of back with you one final time on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Again, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day as we get ready for the matchup with Minnesota. One more non-conference matchup against Nebraska-Omaha before the schedule really gets tough again after tonight's win against Seton Hall. It's a great time to be a Hawkeye fan. Iowa women team in the top five, the wrestling program. They're heading out to New York this weekend. Just so much good going on in the program and so much to be excited about. We'll continue to break it down here on Lockdown Hawkeyes. But there is one big concerning avenue right now, and that is the recruitment of five-star offense alignment, Caden Proctor. Now I've called, oh, probably eight of Caden's games throughout his career at Southeast Polk. I do radio play-by-play, and because of that, there are no a lot of people in the Southeast Polk community, no a lot of people connected there. Also, I've had a lot of people in the recruiting industry that I've grown to know throughout the years of being in radio. And because of that, you know, matching my contacts. So if you heard the interview or the podcast, excuse me, earlier this week, I talked a little bit about you know what I had known at that point in time. Now, first of all, people push back a little bit that the Iowa coaches knew about the recruiting visit to Oregon. They did not know. 
and, and I maintain that and I have it sourced. I have talked to a multitude of people. They did not know. The Iowa coaches did not know he was going to Oregon on Saturday. That came as a surprise. The news came out a couple of hours before the Iowa kickoff against Wisconsin. It was a surprise to the Iowa coaching staff. But this is not like the old days, as we talked about with LaShawn earlier this week, where, hey, you take a visit while you're committed, you're gone. We're pulling bait. Not the case. Had a visit uh, with Caden Proctor, did the Iowa coaches earlier in the week. Sounded like it was okay, though many people believe that though he has not flipped his commitment to Oregon, Oregon now is a serious player. And the NIL opportunities that they have put in front of him, obviously the Nike money with Phil Knight, their big booster out there, it makes a whole lot of sense on that. Frankly, I think you can make a very strong argument that this is short-sighted. It's not over. For the people right now claiming that it's all doom and gloom and that I was screwed in his recruitment, that's not the case. But the other side that says, ah, you know what? He was just going out there to have some fun, take an official visit, you know, just be an 18-year-old kid. There's more to it than that. NIL's a part. Family is a part of this also. The baby's looking what there is a little bit more. But Iowa, from the coaching staff to the Swarm Collective, they are continuing to work to try to put out the best possible package for Caden Proctor, a guy that can stay home, and not just the opportunities that he's going to have as a student, but also looking at the future. If this guy turns into be what many people predict, if he goes out there and, and starts for three years for Iowa, helps lead them to even more prominence, helps that run game really turn around in the offense in general, take a step forward, and then he goes off to the NFL and has a Hall of Fame career, well, he's going to be set. But he's also going to be set here in the state of Iowa. And if it even doesn't go to that level, we know the love of Hawkeye fans. You don't have to be an all-pro, right? to have the love of Hawkeye fans. That is something I think that Caden Proctor certainly has to weigh. At this point in time, though, we will see. I will see him on Friday night. I will be on the call for the radio broadcast of the state championship game, West Des Moines Valley against Caden Proctor and Southeast Polk. 7.30 kickoff for that one. I'll have the call on 96.9 The Bull. You can hear it on the iHeartRadio app. And you know what you can do? You can sync up your TV and you can listen to me call the broadcast, a, a guy that has covered these teams all season long with West Des Moines Valley and Southeast Polk. iHeartRadio app 96.9. The Bull is where you can find that. 7.30 with the kickoff Southeast Polk. And afterwards, we're uh, we're working right now to see if maybe we can get Caden Proctor with a postgame interview. Uh, maybe get some information that way. So also looking for some post-game coverage. We'll see if we can deliver that to you. We'll be delivering more podcasts to you here all week on Locked on Hawkeyes. It has been a fun one. So much great information going on. So much happening. We got the overlay with both football, basketball going on. Love this time of year. Even as it is a little melancholy, that football's coming to a close. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen. For your next listen, check out Locked On Sports Today, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for sticking with us today. Thanks for being with us. We got a lot more coming up this week. LaShawn's going to stop by one more time. We'll be making our picks for the week. I'm red hot in my picks. I'm a radio show every single day. We'll try to bring it to you on the pad podcast side of things as well. This has been the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Go Hawks.